Hello, welcome, welcome one and all to Movies to be Murdered by, a horror podcast, a horror movie podcast run by two people of color, for people of color, and for white people. (laughs) Everyone. Everybody's welcome in our show. We are just loving movies. We are loving the movie life. We are loving specifically the horror movie life. And to get into a very, very specific We are loving our November Vengeance is Mine month. Jeff, how are you? I'm doing well. This has been, um, it's it's good. I'm I'm really liking the movies that we're doing this month and excited for people to hear the future episodes. And I'm excited for people to hear this one. Same, same. Uh, Yeah, uh, today we are discussing... Cape Fear, the 1991 Martin Scorsese version. Uh, It is definitely one of the classic horror, horror adjacent, if you must, but horror revenge movies. I mean, it's just, I mean, how long ago was 1991? And it's still, it's still quotable, you know, it's images, people still know it, it's seared itself into pop culture, and it's never going to go away. Um, One of the reasons might be because this is the seventh collaboration, this was the seventh collaboration between Robert De Niro, who plays the lead, and Martin Scorsese, um, who, as we said, was a director. Um, It turns out that Spielberg... Uh, and Scorsese actually traded projects, Schindler's List and Cape Fear. Um, Spielberg was set to do Cape Fear. um, And apparently Scorsese had the Schindler's List script in his hands. And I don't know if he was exactly definitely going to do it, but he he was like, I think he was on on board to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, The story goes that Spielberg thought that Cape Fear was just too violent for him. wasn't his cup of tea. Um, so he asked Scorsese if they could please trade. <laughs> I don't know how much of this is true because movie studios, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if they're just going to let people like trade scripts. These yeah. two guys though, they're such money makers. I mm. mean, Jeff, who knows? They might've just been like, let those guys do whatever the, the hell they want. <laughs> yeah. Just let them go for it. Whatever. We'll, whatever. we'll trade scripts and movies like they're trading cards. Why not? Yeah. Just swap. <laughs> Um, all right, well, let's get down to it. The body count in this movie is four, which includes a dog. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, at least it's like the least offensive way, the least upsetting way that you could have a dog death in the movie is that you don't see it. You don't even get a hint of it. You just get, you know, his collar returned to, um, the wife in the movie and she you know and they know he's he's dead and you know she's whatever um yeah uh anyway the budget for this movie in 1991 was 35 million dollars not bad not no. bad uh today's equivalent would be 73 million dollars and that's not bad either wow. um yeah they brought in box office uh, 182 million dollars in 1991, which is the equivalent of 379 million dollars. I mean, I think we're talking Avengers money. 
right? Yeah, that's that's up there. That's a that's that's, that's up there with Avengers money. And that's not bad. I mean, this was a remake of a 1962 film um which starred Robert Mitchum, Gregory Peck and Telly Savalas along with a bunch of other people, but you know, whatever, too long to get into, you can look it up. <laughs> um the music was done by uh, Bernard Herrmann um, and they kind of chopped it up and like reused pieces of it. I think in the, in the, in this version that we're talking about here, um, which was genius because the score, it, the score of the original is just perfect. It's a perfect mm-hmm. score. Um, it captures all of the tension, all of the fear. It's Hitchcockian, if that's a word. Um so yeah, so let's uh, let's talk about the movie. We chose this movie because of its total craziness, um, because it is it's the it's the one. I mean, Jeff, he you know De Niro's character Max Cady just he does not make he does not mince words. He's no. like out for revenge. Yes. Okay. And that's and that's it. Like, you know, he's going to get to these people one way or another. And he's like really smart about it. So the story goes um in this version, because there is a difference in the inciting incident um for the 1962 version, but we'll stick with this one. So uh Nick Nolte plays a uh an attorney, a defense attorney. Um 14 years ago, he defended uh, Robert De Niro's character, Max Cady, uh, on a rape charge. He got it brought down to an assault charge. Um, He, you know, Max Cady had like viciously raped and attacked and brutalized a young girl. That's the story that we get. Um, And Nolte pleaded him out. Um, What we get informed of a little later on is that you know in back in those days and i'm sure still today um a woman's character quote unquote um had a lot to do with rape trials like in in rape trials they they figured prominently if a woman was deemed like you know a loose woman um that could certainly change the favor and change the tide of the jury's votes in terms of guilty versus not guilty because they would think, well, she's probably asking for it, or maybe she, maybe she wanted it. And, you know, now she's just regretting it and and mad at the guy. So, but because Nick Nolte knew that like this Max Katie dude was really sick, he didn't tell him about this uh, information that he got that this girl had a very like, you know, florid past. Um, and that really could have changed the direction of the trial. Um, but he didn't want a Max Katie out on the streets. You know, he, he kind of took the law into his own hands. He's a little bit of a rebel Mm -hmm. and, um, well, nobody found out about it except for that Max Cady did while he was in prison those 14 long years. He studied the law and he, you know, taught himself to read all this stuff. He just, you know, became like a model prisoner, except that he's nuts. And he he does have some pretty cool tattoos, Jeff. I do have to say. He, yeah, he, he does. He's got some, some interesting ink. I mean, so he's just, you know, he gets out of prison 
first thing he does is he goes looking for Nick Nolte and he just makes it clear like, hey, I'm in your town. New Essex, is that the name of the town? Something like that? Uh, um, yeah, New Essex. Yeah, in North Carolina. So, mm-hmm. you know, there it's it's Nick Nolte, his daughter, Juliet Lewis, a very young Juliet Lewis. She looks a lot younger than she is. She was like 18 or 19 actually playing in the role, which kind of makes things a little bit easier when she has that scene. With yeah, De Niro, that I'm gonna make you talk about. I'm not gonna talk about it. Uh, don't make me talk about oh, okay. that scene. All right. Um, we'll just say the scene where it was it got real cringy. Yeah, this really creepy scene. Um, anyway, we're ahead of ourselves. Um, and Jessica <laughs> Lang plays the wife. Um, Jeff, a lot of I don't know, there was like a lot of like this is going to sound stupid. <laughs> There's like a lot of like dramatic drama like, coming yes. off of coming off of um, Jessica Lange's character. Yeah. Like, right. What do you, what, what do you make of that? She was, she was a little bit over the top uh, with some things. Uh, very dramatic. And I, I mean, in certain situations, I, I understand it, but I'll, I'll say that I think she, if there is a criticism is that I think she went a little too heavy in some spots and she, and they could have pulled it back a little bit, but I mean, you know, I, it, it was, it was dramatic. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, There's that scene where like, you know, her and Nick Nolte, you know, or, you know, have their, private time in their room. And then afterwards she puts on this pink lipstick and she's just like, you know, admiring herself with this pink lipstick on and it's all like dark in the room and she opens up the window shades and there's Robert De Niro on the, <laughs> on the wall, like the wall. right in their yard the with the fireworks and his little captain's hat. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry, but the hat. <laughs> Oh my god. Okay, so and I'm like I'm just thinking to myself, what is all of this dramedy drama? Like, I don't know. I just think I bet she wanted to showcase herself like a little yes. bit in the movie in the movie. Like, you know, you need to get me like looking good, you know, and and, yeah. and acting like I get to act. You know yeah. yeah. Um Juliet Lewis, it, it her the way she plays the character in the movie to me was actually um not joking here the creepiest character in the movie <laughs> <laughs> she's real she's a real creep like she's such a creep i just can't she like laughs at at spots that are like it's where it's like totally inappropriate to laugh yeah and like giggle and it's not like a sweet little girl giggle i don't know it's just she's a she plays it she plays it really well she was nominated for an academy award so is robert de niro for this movie i think she should have gotten it um god i can't remember who did get it but i think she should have won it um and i think he should have won it for sure because he was just robert de niro is just unbelievable in this movie um but yeah um the nick nolte and his wife are constantly fighting they're like constantly hitting each other too um 
And Julia Lewis, probably one of the reasons why she is so creepy is because of her parents. You know, she at one point she freaks out and she runs to her room, turns up like the radio. She has a TV going. She calls her friend like she's trying so hard to block out like her parents madness, you know. Um, But I don't know. I'm casting a lot of judgment. What do you what's your take on this family, Jeff? I mean, they definitely have a lot of issues i mean that and that's pretty evident from the jump um you know i mean especially seeing seeing you know sam be like he is with his wife and then you get the opposite of that when he's with i believe her name is Lori. Oh um, right, Ileana Douglas's character. Yeah, yeah. So he he does the opposite with her. Like he's he's nice, he's flirtatious, he's you know, he's charming. He's fun loving. He's fun loving. And it just it makes you really sad because I mean, again, going to Juliet Lewis's character, um, she's obviously seen a lot she's seen a lot of unhappiness she's seen a lot of uh things that have happened in her life especially with her parents so when you bring up the laughing at uncomfortable moments maybe that's how she's had to cope with seeing her parents in that way um it's not a lo- it doesn't look like a loving relationship it looks like they're always at odds so um yeah, yeah, and all this stuff keeps like right. It keeps like coming out throughout the movie. Like, yeah. yeah. Then, like after Ileana Douglas gets raped and attacked by Robert De Niro's character, and he and Nick Nolte calls her at the hospital to see how she's doing, and Jessica Lang is like listening. She's mm-hmm. like she sees that he's making this like secret phone call. He's not having an affair with Ileana Douglas, Lori, but like but they like each other and he's just basically been like trying to hold on by a thread to like, you know, not cheat on his wife. Then it comes out that he's like that when they were living wherever they were living last, like he used a total cad and like a total playboy Mm -hmm. and was like having lots of affairs and stuff. And um, I don't know. It's just, it's a whole, I don't know. It's just a whole mess. I feel like Max Katie was like, like Max Katie could have like come around did his thing for like a week and then left and like never come back. And that family still would have been ruined. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, yes. Because they were just so messed up to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it, they really were. I mean, just from, just from the word jump, I mean, they, you know, and then like you said, you get all the revelations and then it's like, okay, well, this makes a lot of sense now. This, this is adding up. Yeah. There's all this anger. And I don't, I don't know what the heck was going on, but whatever. Um, uh, so, yeah, so Max Katie, in a nutshell, um, disrupts their entire life um, to the point where they, they don't want to be leaving the house at all. Um, and Nick Nolte hires a private detective type guy, right? Like a private mm-hmm. investigator who, you know, is not bound by the law like he is. Um there is that great scene. I'm, I'm a really, I'm, I'm finding out, you know, Jeff, I'm not crazy about 
the classic quote unquote movies. Like you go like 1950s and beyond and I'm like, I'll see you later. You know, even the cities, I'm a little bit like, I don't think that's really for me, but I am finding out that I really like Robert Mitchum. Like he's just amazing. Um, I, I did watch the, I don't know if you had a chance to, I did watch the original Cape fear. Um, and he was just as good as Mac at, at doing Max Katie. It was just different. Mm-hmm. It was like just as intense, but in a different way. Like it was like perfect for that time period for the sixties, late fifties coming into the sixties. Like, and he was just as scary. Mm-hmm. And they even had a similar scene when De Niro, uh, like as when uh, De Niro, Max Katie uh, rapes and tortures um, Ileana Douglas's character, they have a similar scene um, in the original version, which is nuts. You don't see anything except the victim afterwards has like a bruised face mm-hmm. and is like, she's so scared. She won't talk to the police. And she like literally packs her suitcase while the police are there and like gets that and like calls for like, oh, what time is the bus coming? Cool. I'll be on it. <laughs> Like, yeah. like runs out because wow. she's so terrified of him but it was just nuts to to know that like they would even go there in a mm-hmm. film you know made at that time period was just like wow yeah. um but de niro totally totally like threw himself into this role um he had a dentist rough up his teeth so that they looked really messed up like like grind them down and like change them like and and whatnot and then had them all fixed back after filming um yeah that's crazy he he uh he worked out so much he got his body fat down to something like five percent it's really it's crazy he just went he went to town and was like i'm going to be this guy one thousand percent um um i loved that Gregory Peck, Robert Mitchum, and Martin Balsam all have cameos yeah. in, in this version. Lens, I think that's a great touch. Me too. Lens to like, like, hey, like we're we're honoring, you know, this mo- we're honoring the movie, and it's like, but it's so different, um, and it's cool that like Robert Mitchum plays the police officer in this one, and he's but he gets to be a nasty just like. He was as Max Gady because he's telling Nick Nolte, like, hey, like, if I were you, maybe I wouldn't uh, tell anyone what the like the way that you're going to handle this or something, something like that. Like basically saying to him, like, maybe like you should try circumventing the law to get rid of this guy. But he can't say it out loud because he's like, you know, the sheriff or the captain or whatever. And Nick Nolte's like, oh, uh are you suggesting that I do something unlawful? And then he gets so mad Mm -hmm. and you see him like max Katie out. And he's like, Oh, is that what you're saying? Well, excuse me all over the place. Like I was like, yes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) That's totally awesome. Um, Jeff, I don't, forgive me brother you've lived or spent time in north carolina yes right okay have you ever been around like this area that they're talking about i don't know if it's like a real i I don't remember is this like a real area or not 
So it's like near Wilmington, mm-hmm. I believe. Um, I don't know that New Essex is a real town. I think it's fictional, but okay. I know when they did the filming, I think they did it in Wilmington in that area. Um, and you're and you're familiar with that area or no? Yeah, I'm familiar with it. Is it is it totally like like you know because the way that it, they portray it in the movie is sort of like a very white very like you know fourth of july parade and fireworks and kids having you know soft serve ice cream cones is that kind of how it is in real life or in that in that part of the area at that time yes okay yeah yeah and that and in that part of the area absolutely all right so you and i would have been welcome there <laughs> Uh, we we definitely would have um <laughs> would have stood out. We we, we would have I would have yeah. Go ahead, Gwen. No, I was just saying say? we we would have been noticed. Um, nice. Sure. Um, we also would have been really little. So I guess yeah. like, I, what I was because came out in ninety one, so they were probably filming in ninety. So it was ten. Yeah. Okay, and, so they filmed it in Savannah. Oh, did they? Okay, I've been to yeah, Savannah. Savannah. Um, now I know where they based it off of. It was supposed to be like Wilmington. Okay. So yeah, you really get the sense it's North Carolina. I mean, I I know North Carolina because my mom has a house down there, so I've spent some time. Mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily like you know a lot in Wilmington, but I like they did a good job because I've been yeah, to Savannah. Did. I've been to Savannah and uh, spent time there and. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have put it there at all. I would have totally guessed it was North Carolina. Yeah. Some, yeah something about it, the sunlight. Yeah, it was yeah, it definitely had the look and feel. Um yeah. Jeff Max Katie does you know quite a few things during this movie to you know put this family on edge and to make them feel like he's, you know, he's coming for them one way or the other, mm-hmm. but he does everything really cleverly, like, so that he can't be busted by the cops. You know, he, he's on that wall, but it's technically not their property. So when he's just staring at them with the fireworks, like they can't, you know, they can't do anything about it. Right. Um, he's been in and out of their house, but they can't prove it, you know? Um, if you can try to remember like any of the things, any of the tacks, any, anything that he says or whatever that you kind of really appreciated in terms of like appreciating the villain in the movie, which is something that I love to do. Honestly, for me, it was the scene at the parade. Oh, okay. Um, when, you know, he, he's there. And he's not there for the parade. He's there to watch the family. And he's kind of making eyes at the wife. And Nick Nolte comes over and he's like, what are you doing? And he, you know, is saying all this sly stuff kind of under under his breath. And, you know, it sets Nick Nolte off and he decks him. And, you know, it's like in that moment you realize this guy is he's 10 steps ahead of anything that anyone is doing. Like he's just so far ahead. And part of it is because he's had these 14 years to think about how he would do things and, 
learned some things while he was in prison. Like I, I feel like he took all the time while he was locked up to really plot and and learn more so so he could be even more devious and sadistic uh when it came time for his revenge. Yes, he was in there like just minding the clock like nope, not okay. No, it's okay. I got another like 3 years. That's mm-hmm. cool. That's cool with me. I needed to like buff up my, you know, I need to buff up my arms anyway because I'm going to have to do some heavy lifting because it's like it's you just yeah. get this sense like you were saying like that he's just been plotting everything out um you know bit by bit and uh yeah I I I could see that um I really have to say that like I I love the touch of I love the detail of the tattoos and I mean I know I'm like a you know a tattoo warrior but I just think that for this character, um, it suits it suits the character perfectly. Yeah, you know, there's there's the idea of like like because he's got some big jailhouse tattoos like on his back, the scales of justice. Yeah, and you know, um, so you're getting a sense of pain. Um, you're getting a sense of like you know this like it's like a single vision determination of inflicting justice onto others the tattoos on his arm that say vengeance is mine and the time will come or whatever those are great and it doesn't take a lot like he's got the one you know loretta or whatever that's with a broken heart on his chest and they look faded it looks gross it looks like a prison tattoo um I commend the artist. I forget the artist's name. I, I actually looked at looked for him for her in the credits. Uh, I think I just think that in terms artistically that it was perfect. And also like at that time, 1991, like, you know, tattoos usually signaled the bad guy, you know, right. um, in the movies and in real life, you know, uh, especially being having like, you know, your arms, you know, having more than one. So. I think that for me, um, the storyline with Juliette Lewis, the daughter, I think that Max Katie, I think that's a perfect uh, way for him to inflict the most horror into Nick Nolte and his wife, Mm -hmm. because he can, he, he's getting at Nick Nolte and Jessica Lang, the wife is like, pissed at Nick Nolte and she's she's worried but she's also kind of brazen like she's talking to him when he shows up in in the driveway and stuff and she's like oh like that's who you are blah 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 like you know kind of like I'm not afraid of you kind of vibe but like when he sees uh you know the daughter that's when she that's when the mother gets you know scared rightfully so you know and that's when Nick Nolte you know tries to get him beat up and killed that doesn't work because he's so strong. He like, you know, outmaneuvers the three hit hitmen. Um, but I think that whole like thread of him getting closer to Juliet Lewis by tricking her when he calls her on the phone and pretends to be her drama teacher. And like by talking to her, like she's like a grown up like he knows it, it, you just see like that this guy is such a predator 
Yeah. Even if even if he had no qualm with Nick Nolte, he just got out of prison. You know that he would be like, you know, um, searching out new prey. You know, Mm -hmm. he knows exactly how to talk to Juliette Lewis. And then when they see each other in the uh, drama play, whatever room at the school, and he's still like he's talking to her as if like as if she's his 45 year old lover. Yeah. And she's eating it up because it's finally number one, someone paying attention to her. And like right. number two, someone, you know, she feels like she's, you know, she's grown and someone's talking to her like she's grown and like, she's, you know, like she's sexy, you know what I mean? And it's just, it's so wholly uncomfortable yeah. and it's so terrifying, especially like as a parent, you know, yeah. um, I think that I just think that that whole line was like genius in the original movie. He doesn't like, he's kind of like a lech and he kind of like leers at the daughter and you can tell he wants the daughter, but he doesn't like, it doesn't go like as strong in the direction as this version does, you know? Um, Also the, I just want to throw in there, the girl who played the daughter in the 62 version, Mm -hmm. Jeff, you just look up the 62 version and watch a clip with her in it. She looks like she's got the head of like a Barbie robot and the body of like a 10 year old. It's really weird. It's a uh, very, it's very strange. I will check that out. I think her eyes may be clear. <laughs> <laughs> I will have to check that out now. Okay. All right. Don't forget. I want to hear a text about it. Like, okay, that girl <laughs> looks like an episode of the Twilight Zone for real. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I wanted to talk to you, Jeff, because I don't know, like, I was kind of like, what, you know, like remembering this movie before I like rewatched it. It's been a long time. Um, and I was just thinking to myself, like stalking, because that's like how he that's basically what he's doing to the, to the family. Max Katie's doing to the family. He's stalking them. He's you know, it's like it's totally like a predator stalking its prey. And there's nothing that they could do about it. Um, and so I was kind of like stalking. Is, is this it's kind of I feel like just my gut feeling. I was like, it's kind of like a white thing. I feel like it's a white thing to do. Like white people stalk each other. Um, but does that really happen in you know communities with people of color? Apparently, according to a U.S. Department of Justice report that I that I read, uh, stalking isn't just mostly a white thing. Um, the percentages are actually about equal for white, black, Hispanic, and Asian victims. Yeah, yeah, and I, and like obviously, like it's mostly men doing the stalking across the board. You mm-hmm. know, it's mostly men. You know, stalking women. Um, but that was a shocker. Does that come as a shock to you? Did you kind of know that it would probably be equal? Did you feel like it was kind of a white thing or? I felt it would be equal. You're just uh, saying that. No, no, <laughs> I should have asked you first. <laughs> seriously. I, I, I thought so because just because of stories and stuff that I read, like some of the news that I read, yeah. um, I, I know that it's been more prevalent in um, communities of color, um, especially over the last decade. 
I think is when, you know, things really started to um, escalate. So, um, yeah, I, I kind of, I kind of figured it would be close. Right. Um, you know, it, but yeah, I, I, I knew it wasn't just a, a, a white problem. I knew it was growing. I mean, we've, we've, I mean, I've, I've, I've dealt with it firsthand. So, oh, geez. Yeah. Oh God. I'm so sorry. Cause that's, yeah. I don't, I think that like, even today, like there aren't really strong, like anti-stalking laws in effect. There's, right. It's, it's still the whole, like, well, we can't do anything until they do something. Right. And that's what they hear in this movie. Um, and I think I probably thought it was mostly like a white thing because of movies. <laughs> <laughs> um because you know like but i mean then i you know it's it's you know white people have always been the stars of movies so like yeah that would if there was stalking involved of course it would be a white person because they're the ones who were starring in the movies but i was anyway. gonna say it was a different it was a different time <laughs> in hollywood back then things have yeah. changed we have a lot more diversity in film and television and you know all entertainment now so yeah um, we're seeing we're seeing more accurate portrayals um of of stories from you know communities of color uh now because of this diversity and you know i i for one i'm i'm glad that we're seeing that um you know nothing against these movies but it wasn't an accurate reflection of um everyone in america or everyone that's watching this this film right right um i do have to admit i get kind of like a crotchety old lady and i get like kind of angry like that you didn't have that growing up you know what i mean yeah yeah and like i kind of sometimes i'm like these darn kids they don't even know what it was like you know and they just have everything handed to them i'm like jessica how old are you are you like 42 or are you 72 like let's get a grip it's good that things have changed of course you know um oh my god question for you Mm um do you think this is this is you know do you think that anyone would make this movie and have max katie be black with a terrorizing a white family no no right no but that would be that that would just be like i don't know what that would be (laughs) would that be would that be like being like total like all right let's have it all fair like somebody like of color should have a shot at like a good villain role or would that be too much like wait a minute why is the black guy torturing a white family yeah yeah you know yeah and i i mean I don't know that the world is ready. No. You would, you would like to think that you could see someone, I mean, you see someone of color playing that role because, I mean, let's, let's be honest. One of the things that makes Cape Fear as horrifying as it is, is because it could actually happen. Yes. And, and that to me, like, you know, I know a lot of people say it's horror adjacent, but for me, it's a it's a horror film. Me too. Me um, too. That's terrifying. Terrifying. Max Cady is just as menacing 
as some of these slashers that we see in these films. I mean, he's, 100%. he's just as menacing and maybe he doesn't rack up the kills on the body count, but what he does psychologically is it, it lasts forever. So, yeah. I mean, can you imagine this guy goes wherever you are Yeah, and he's like, and he's, and he, and he's been, you know, he's been inside of your house. Yeah. You just be, you can't prove it. I mean, yeah. It, that's way to me that's way more terrifying than like yeah. you know this terrifying you know at least like you know you're running through the woods and you know you're a chacha and haha and like all the way with like a you know with an axe like you know you know you're gonna get an axe or in the head or you're not you know what I mean? this right. guy is like he's in it for like the long slow burn you know of terror yeah um Okay, Max. Okay, this is my last question. All right, so you remember? Have you have you seen um, Taxi Driver? Oh yeah. Okay, so Max De Niro as Max Katie versus De Niro as Travis Bickle. In terms of scariness, let's talk this out. Who is scarier? Good grief. Yeah, good grief indeed. I was thinking about this while I was watching and I was like, oh, hell no. <laughs> I, I feel like, okay, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say one thing. I feel like Travis Bickle walked so that Max Katie could fly. <laughs> but go ahead. Go ahead. That's a, good, that's a good way to put that. That's That's a good way because my goodness his performance in taxi driver like that that character yeah i mean i i think yeah yeah that just that was the inspiration to take it even further you know to go to go even i didn't think you could get crazier max katie got crazier yes like he he legitimately did and here yeah i know you asked you know i love the questions that you ask <laughs> i'm gonna ask a, i'm gonna say a did you know Mm-mm. this brings in the other passion of mine which is professional wrestling mm-hmm. there are two characters in wrestling that base their gimmicks their persona in wrestling off of max katie are you serious yes undertaker no <laughs> it's just because that's one of the ones that that's i know right. <laughs> uh, one is waylon mercy okay who also inspired bray wyatt who's a current that was my other guess actually yeah. and only because i know because of abby's window which yeah. is a show that Jeff is on, everybody. Yeah. Uh, Jeff is a, a multi-podcaster. Yeah. And and uh, he's with this uh, The Insiders Wrestling Podcast. Yep. Um, so, yeah, yeah I, I know about Bray Wyatt because of the, you know, Abby's Window show. Yeah. Um, and, and they both, the both of these two, the um, base their, like, personas on Max Katie. Yes, I. As a matter of fact, what I want you to do, and this this is in real time, so we did not plan this or anything like that. But I want you to go on your phone right now, uh huh, and look up Waylon Mercy. Okay. And I want to get your live reaction. 
to seeing a picture of Waylon Mercy. Oh my God! This guy with the hat and the and the the Hawaiian shirt. Does he have a forehead tattoo? Is that that, that can't be real, right? The dagger. It's not a it, it's not a real one, but right. This guy. Yeah, I think I could totally see it. He's, yeah. you know, he's wearing that uh <laughs> that Hawaiian shirt mm-hmm. and looking like a maniac. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, yep. he's given like a crazy look on this. It's a yeah, it's a, a picture of him like you know, like choking this guy, and he's giving yeah. this really crazy look, like ha ha ha. Yeah. And it's so oh, and- funny. Oh, and he's wearing the white outfit. Okay. Yep. Yep. Oh, I see his little like avatar and his toys are the white outfit. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a little bit of wrestling. Did you know on a horror movie podcast? Very cool. Um, I was really thinking this out. Who's scarier? I think that it's not a question of who's scarier. I think it's a matter that they're both terrifying um, I mean, if you swap, if you swap them out, like if you put Max Cady and, you know, in, in Taxi Driver and Travis Bickle in Cape Fear, they're just as scary, you know? Yeah, yeah. But I think for the time period, they're terrifying and they're like the epitome of like one, like one terror, you yeah. know, like Tra- Travis Bickle in the seventies, he's able to like, have a half date with Sybil Shepherd. You know what I mean? Like he's able to like drive the taxi car around. Like he's not so out of it that he can't do those things, but you can see how tightly wound up he is. And then with, by the time he's fashioning guns for himself to come out of his sleeves and he does the Mohawk, like it's not that much of a surprise. It's like we were watching this crazy train sinking, you know? Um, and then Max Cady is like the 90s version of like a total maniac. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Where he's like, he's got these elements of the old school where he's like, you know, with the cigar all the time and everything. But he's just like, he will like bare knuckle, like beat you to, to death. And he'll like, and he'll, you know, do ungodly things to women. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And And none of it bothers him. He enjoys it. Um, and that's like the kind of like more like modern, like in your face, violent, you know, flamboyant, grotesque, like it's out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I don't I don't I don't think I could choose who's scary. I think they're like so terrifying and each in their own way. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, it, it's hard to, to say which one is more terrifying because both of them are equally terrifying you see either of them uh you know sitting down at a at a rally and you don't want to sit next to either of them you, right. I mean? right. you can't choose like i'm gonna i'd rather sit next to this one nah i mean although one time i was in a movie theater in, in uh in brooklyn this was like a long time ago and i was there watching a movie and well duh because i'm in a movie theater <laughs> like <laughs> um and there was a guy who was laughing just like Max Katie 
just like De Niro. Yeah. He can, he kept doing it. And I, he was being for real because he was laughing at like, you know, like I was laughing at these parts and this guy was like, I was just, I was, I looked over towards him and I was like, where's the cigar and the cigar smoke? You know what I mean? (laughs) Because it was just too much. And Mm -hmm. then I was with my friend and she was like, I want to go sit next to that guy. And I'm like, well, go ahead because I don't, I'll stay here safe from Max Katie. Okay. Thanks very much. I'll just, I'll see you on the way out. Like, no, thank you. Catch you later. Yeah, exactly. It's all funny until it's not funny anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Friends, listeners, at this point in the podcast, we'd like to offer to you our rating system, whereas Jeff and I give a rating, typically, typically gravestones, headstones, one to five, one being don't watch this movie, it sucks, five being this is an awesome movie, go watch it right now or watch it tomorrow morning or whatever. Um, Jeff... I want to say that we should, for Cape Fear, instead of the headstones, we should measure it by the captain's hat that De Niro wears in the movie. That's appropriate. Yeah. Last week, we did breast pumps for the hand that rocks the cradle. Yes. And this week, we'll be doing captain's hat, which is something like, I don't know, I feel like it was something like, it was. It would look good on him. It it made sense. It it kind of went with the outfit from you know the Max Cady of the nineteen sixty two, but I feel like it was also a little levity <laughs> thrown into the movie, right? I mean, because it's like such a dark movie, and then you have like a little captain's hat. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. And then you just picture him like tipping it a little. Like, <laughs> yeah, tipping it a little bit. <laughs> Okay. All right. So, Jeff, uh, one to five captain's hats. Um, what would you give um, 1991 version of Cape Fear? Oh, my goodness. This is tough because I want to give it five. Totally. But I'm going to be stingy and give it four and a half. Okay. That's still really good. Yeah. I, I think that. This this for me is one of the most terrifying films because of the plausibility. Like it, it, it's just it could happen, and um, the way that the characters are played is just. I mean, they're like great performances all around, just all around. Um, I I feel like. Like I could have done without the the scene with Lori um yeah. being being as out front as it was. Um the the scene that we shall not mention in yes. depth um was was cringe. Um so so yeah, that's why I'm taking off a little bit for it because I think I think they they tried to go like really in your face with stuff and really establish Max Katie as just this evil sadistic person but I think we already knew that. Right. You know, I we already knew it. So um so that's my um 
that's my rating and I know what's next. I yes. want you to ask it. And then I have a, after you give your rating, I have one quick, one last question for you. Okay. Um, on movies to be murdered by, we are fans of body ink tattoos, whatever you want to call them. Um, so we give each other the tattoo test, meaning, Hey, would you get any image from this movie? Um, from its uh, title, from the font, from anything, you know, um, tattooed on you, Jeff, would you get anything Cape Fear tattooed on you? I would not. Okay. I would not get a tattoo, but, um, but yeah, I think it's, it's a great, it's a great film, but nice. I would not get a tattoo. What, what about you? What's your, uh, captain's hat rating and, um. Would you get a tattoo? I'm going to give it, I want to give it a three and a half. Um, but I think I'm going to give it a four because of the performance by, um, I was going to say by Jack Nicholson. What the heck is wrong with me? By Robert De Niro. Um, Juliette Lewis was also amazing in this movie. A lot of props to her. Um, I just thought that um, the movie is really scary. The movie really gets the revenge angle, um, all the stuff that Robert De Niro does to this family um, is just is too scary. You know, um, you don't want to believe that something like this could happen, yet it happens all the time. Um, but I really had to take off points because... The end scene where they're the family's on the boat and Robert De Niro has like made his way onto the boat, their boat as well. And I feel like it takes so long. And then there's other scenes that I feel are also really drawn out. Um, also, I don't like this sort of there was like a, a scene where Nick Nolte gets so angry with his daughter that he like kind of like clamps his hand over her face in a, in a really hard kind of smack. And he's like shaking her. Yeah. That's all. That's really heavy handed. I mean, we kind of know that she's affected by her parents' violence between each other, but to see it like on her. And then the next day she gets like victimized by Robert De Niro's character. It's just a lot. And I just think it's kind of not necessary. You like, like you were saying, like, <clears throat> excuse me, like you were saying about Robert De Niro's Max Cady. We don't need to see like him torturing a woman. We already know that that that's that guy. That he is sadistic. We that we as the audience have been given so many clues and ugly clues, you know. Um, so I kind of feel like that about some of the scenes that I felt like were just gone on a little too long. I also feel like the director, the filmmakers and stuff indulged Jessica Lange a little bit much with all of this, like, I don't know, like I'm so pretty and sexy kind of scenery. I'm just, I just didn't get it. Maybe I'm just too dense. I don't know, but long explanation, four stars. <laughs> <laughs> and would I get anything tattooed? Um, Cape Fear. I actually, when I started getting uh, my tattoos, um, right now, uh, as I've mentioned before, both arms are pretty much covered um, from top to bottom. Uh, I I was thinking of getting the vengeance is mine, um, you know, quote from the Bible. Yeah. I didn't go with it, and I don't remember why. 
I don't remember why, but um, I I would probably, if there was space, if I had space on it, I probably would get that. I think that that's a pretty badass tattoo. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have... I have one last question for you. Oh boy. Let's yeah. say because we're already through we're already basically through 2022. Okay. Could this movie get made today? Ooh, good question. I think that this movie comes off sometimes like a play, like a drama, like a you know something you see like in the theater. Um, I think that's why I probably don't like those scenes that are a little bit longer and like talkier and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, So I wonder if audiences today would kind of relish that as much as they did back in 91, you know, or if they would have to take a different approach. The movie is the move. I think the movie could stand up today the movie for even for that time i think was like ahead of its time yeah it was it was very like splashy like the colors mm-hmm. de niro like with the clips you know like the trailer him being like ha 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 and like you know just you know everything kind of moving real quick that mm-hmm. that is it doesn't actually play that play play out that way in the movie but in the commercials and the trailers it's a very like quick cut quick cut and splashy colors and menacing and fear and scary and oh my god and what's going to happen and breathe and stop breathing and then that's it you know and and so i feel like that works for now like for now times um I think it could because it's Martin Scorsese and and you know what I mean. I think yeah. his movies are kind of they have they have lasting power. I don't know. What about what about you? What do you think? I think it could. Um, I think that some things would be. I think the the horror and this is why I'm hesitant to even say this and put this in the universe. But I think that they would try to make Max even more menacing and vile if you were to make it today i can see that because i think now with villains the the push is to make them as unlikable as possible because they're villains whereas you know in times before you know you could make a villain into a villain but they sometimes had stories that you could relate to and you could say oh well i can i can see why they chose this path Um, but now there's you know a push to give no redeeming qualities to villains i i think in in some cases so um i think i think they would try to go overboard with making him more vicious definitely good call I think they would still leave his background alone. I mean, we we find yeah. out a little bit that he had a wife and a daughter, right? He says that he could have been lying though. Yeah. Um, but we don't really know that much about Max Cady at all, and that's also right. what's so scary about him because we don't we don't know him. We don't know that he has any limits, and then he's showing us that he's got no limits. Right. Um, but yeah, I can see that definitely. The, um, good call about making him somehow even more like twisted. 
Well, here we are, wrapping up another episode of Vengeance is Mine Month. Jeff, thank you so much for this wonderful time of talking about this amazing movie um, that still holds up. Yeah. More than holds up. It's still scary. Um, We'll be back next week talking another scary movie something a little bit more contemporary we'll leave we'll Mm. leave you with that clue Mm. and something starring a person of color this time Mm. so uh until then have a great week take care of yourselves and take care of each other peace out Game over.